Bless the Lord. Everybody's got a testimony from this week, I'm sure, right? God has saw you through something. Maybe a close call on the roads. Maybe you know somebody's had a bad doctor's appointment that turned out to be good. There's a lot of things that we can complain about. I called you Thursday. <laughs> if you got your Bibles this evening, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13. First Samuel 13, starting in verse 16. Did I say that right, 13, starting in verse 16? Is that what I just said? I mean, y'all don't know what I said. I mean, uh, <laughs> what I meant. First Samuel 13, 16. Saul so and his son Jonathan and the men with them were staying in Gibeah in Benjamin while the Philistines camped at Michmash. Raiding parties went out from the Philistine camp in three detachments. One turned toward Oprah in the vicinity of Shual, another toward Beth Horon, and the third toward the borderland overlooking the valley of Zeboim facing the wilderness. Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords and spears. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points, mattocks, Axes and sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening the plow points and mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes and for repointing goads. So on the day of the battle, not a soldier was Saul and Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Now a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass in Michmash. Going over to chapter 14. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. 
Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, and Megron with him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. A cliff, not with a T. I said it with a T. One was called Bozes, the other Senna. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other to the south toward Gabeah. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on. Then we will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will say, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes they were hiding in. And the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into, our, into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet and his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell, fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed, killed behind him. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in the area of it about a half acre. Now that's quite a story, isn't it? That's what you call listening to God and acting on what God tells you to do and the odds don't seem right. It don't seem that what, the, what the, we might think would happen or what the outcome would be, it goes against what we think, but here this young man had enough of the Spirit of God in him to listen to what God had told him and went up against some pretty bad odds. And he slipped out. Nobody knew he was there. There were 600 men with his dad. He could have probably got those fellows together and, and they could have went and done, and done some havoc, but he didn't. He did it this way. But you need to notice that there was a plan happening with these Philistine people. Notice that they had taken and, and removed the blacksmiths so that they couldn't make any weapons. You see, we see that happening in our nation today with the bullets and the guns and all this stuff. If you want to overcome a people, take their weapons away. And that's exactly what they did here. They took the blacksmiths out so that they couldn't make any weapons. That was the plan that the Philistines had. And so only, only Saul and Jonathan had a sword, which is not too much. You see, whenever you watch football, anybody like to watch football on Sundays? Or Football's a good one. And boxers, boxers do the same thing. They'll watch a fighter 
from a previous fight. They might watch film from a previous fight so they find out what the weaknesses are of this guy. They watch the films to get a plan together of how they're going to attack this person. Football does the same thing. You've got a cornerback who's weak. You're going to play over and you're going to aggravate this guy to death because that's how you're probably going to move the ball. Soccer would be the same way. Kid gets hurt. Okay, let's go to his side. He's weak. He's wounded, so he's not playing as effective. So you use these kinds of things and you come up with this plan. And that's exactly what they were doing. They had this plan set out. This is how we're going to take care of these people. But little did they know this young man was going to get his armor bearer, and they're just, as most people in the world would say, probably foolish enough to just go on and take care of this and go, and go to this, this battle to walk out here in this way. You see, we have an adversary called the devil. And he is always watching our film. What makes us stumble, he likes to play on those areas. Brother Charlie kind of touched on that this morning. He plays on those areas. He figures this is how I'm going to get it done. This is how I'm going to attack them. This is how I'm going to be able to take them down. And he does these things to remove us of our weapons. He likes to take our weapons away from us. The powerful things. I can stand up against the devil for only a little bit in my physical body. I can only stand up to the devil a little bit inside of my mind. Only a little bit. It takes the Spirit of God to give us the victory. And whenever we preach away and go away from having the Spirit of God inside of us, who is going to strengthen us, who is going to give us these little ideas to do these things or to be able to see things that other people don't see, to understand what other people don't understand. Some things we can only see through him. I was talking to Sister D tonight about a, 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 a CD that she's got, and, you know, this man has insights that are, it has to come from God especially when you hear of things that are happening that's already come to pass, things that are, you know, God's given us something. He's given us a, 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 a glimpse into the future of, of things that will come to pass. And we see it in the Bible all over, right? We know that in those last days there are going to be perilous times. We know that, that those hunger pangs and those sorrows are going to get more severe and more frequent because Jesus told us, and he knows what's going to happen. One of the strongest things that we have in our arsenal is the Word of God. That is the strongest weapon that we have. And you know as well as I do, because we're all people here, right? People do the same things, most all not all things, but I was talking to somebody at the shower a while ago. You guys got a bunch of towels. I said, well, they'll always use them because, you know, after a few years, you're going to have those towels that you're going to bring out when company comes and the ones you're going to use for you, the ones with the holes or the ones you can hold up and see the newspaper through. 
Am I right? Does anybody else do that? Because we, we do it at our house. They're still drying a little bit. They're still getting a little bit of dirt off. Rub, rub some soap on your washcloth. You get more on your hand, you get on the rag because there ain't no rag there. So put them back, and when the company comes, you pull the good stuff out. But use them until you can't use them no more. And then you use them to do something else, wash your car with or whatever, do some dusting with. I don't know where I was going with that. You see, the Word of God is so important. We just came in here and we prayed tonight. And prayer is a very important thing. Can I get an amen? Very important. And we sing some songs. And that is very important. But neither of those two things can override the Word of God. Because when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan came at him, how did he overcome him? By the word of God. He didn't say, look here, I'm Jesus, the son of God. Now, you can't be doing this. No, he didn't do that at all. He said, it is written. Thus saith the Lord. And you see, this is what we have to get inside of us. This is how we have a plan against the enemy. Is we put the word inside of us. We get to where we can... Maneuver in our Bibles. You know, I might not know the exact wording. I may not know, but I've got the idea. I've got the precept, and I know just about where it is that we can go find that word. And let me tell you something. That word is powerful. That word will put the devil on his heels, and it'll make him leave you alone. Amen. That word is very powerful. But you see, when you go to sit down and to read your Bible, don't you always have something comes up and gets in the way? For me, it's eyeballs that want to close. See, we've all been here today, and we've had this baby show. We, we, we could stand up, then we wouldn't fall asleep. That must have been prophetic. Let's see, y'all get married in May? That'll be a winter baby. <laughs> yeah, erase that part. George, just dub it out. But he uses these kinds of things to take us away from the word of God. We come in and pray tonight, and that's a, that is a very powerful thing. But reading the word of God and putting the word of God inside of our spirits is the most powerful thing we can do. Talking with God, and, and all of that works together, you see. You got to have the word of God. And he uses all kinds of tools to take us away. We, we have too much going on. Sometimes we get discouraged. Somebody says something to us, and now we get discouraged, and we just don't want to serve God. You know you know how it goes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been there? Been a Christian very long. I'm sure you've had that kind of attack. If you haven't, I don't know. And you get to the place that, well, I didn't read it as much today. Or I just, you know, we get discouraged, and it's the kinds of things that he uses. Things will come and distract us and get us away from what God has for us to do in his word, for us to read. And Ephesians says that we have this word. And what is this word in Ephesians? What weapon is it? It's a sword. 
a two-edged sword. That's how God's word is. It's a very powerful thing. And it's the sword of the Spirit. You see, without the Spirit, we're not going to memorize it. Without the Spirit, we're not going to be seeking God. We're not going to be reading the Word. Without the Spirit, we won't be understanding what we're reading. You know what I'm saying? You'll read stuff and you'll be like, I just don't get that. Maybe somebody will tell it to you and 10 minutes after you've left church, you won't remember it. But when it's the Spirit doing it, it gets embedded and it stays and that's why we need to be seeking that the Spirit work in us to teach us these things. That's what he was here for, right? That's what he was sent for, the comforter, and to teach us in all things. And so we need him. And so this Spirit only works. This sword only works by the Spirit. So we have to have him. He's the one that will quicken us to say, yeah, you remember you read this two days ago. I set you up. Saw this coming, so I put this there. Now it's in your spirit, and you go back to it, and then you can look, and whenever something comes, when the devil comes or when anybody comes, all you got to do is say, thus saith the Lord. This has no power over me. I don't have to walk here. I don't have to take this. I don't have to be here. Devil, you have no power because the, the word of God is strong. In 1 Peter 2 and 2, it says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow in your salvation. Milk. It's nourishment. You see, the, the word is what feeds us. Not the preacher. This is okay, I guess, you know, but it's the word. You reading a page in the Bible, you reading a chapter in the Bible, and be really into it and seeking God will do way more than any preacher can ever do. Right? I'm not the spirit of God. And there ain't no other preacher walking around that is the spirit of God. Only he can do these things. And you have that testimony when he's put something there. And then you know he's real. But this is food. This is food that feeds us and strengthens us. If you don't eat, you get weak, right? So what is the enemy doing? He's cutting off your food supply. Cut off their weapons, cut off their food supply. Pretty soon they're going to get discouraged, downtrodden, and you're going to win that battle. And when he can get us to the place that we don't read the word of God, we don't want to, we get to the place we're not spending time in the word, then we're not getting fed. We're malnourished. You know, we see these kids on TV, you know, on the other side of the world. They bring them out and they got their big bellies, but their, you know, their arms are like as big as your pinky because they're malnourished. I wonder if sometimes we get to that place that, oh, I'm, you know, I put some food in today. But what does my spirit look like? See what I'm talking about? We have to have that. Psalms 119, 103. How sweet are your words to, to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Jeremiah 15 and 16. When your words came, I ate them. They were, they were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. 
Your words came and I ate them. You see the picture being painted by God? And it's sweet. God's word is sweet to us. It's nourishing to us. So we look at it and we say, well, the enemy has this plan. And we have a plan. Our plan is we're going to get in and we're going to get close to God. But you notice these guys went out here to a battle and they were only killed 20-some people, right? Two guys went against 20-some people. Bad odds. But can I tell you something? Whenever your odds is with God, that's it. Amen? If God says you're going to have victory, you're going to have victory. Now, you may look at it in your mind and in your worldly flesh and say, oh, there's no way there's no victory there. But God says there is victory there. He's the one that put it in their hearts. He put it in their hearts to go. Jonathan was listening to God lead him somewhere. He put it in his heart and see, he says, well, we're going to go. And if we go, here's what's going to happen. If, if they, this is going to be the sign. If they tell us to come on up where they're at, then we already know we've won. And they took off up the hill. These guys were still alive, but they had enough faith to say, if we go, we got the victory. They're already in our hands. So we got to be the word of God and then we got to listen to God. We have to listen to what he prompts us to do. And when he prompts you to do something, can I tell you this? It might not always make sense. It might not always fall in the lines of A, B, C, and D because God don't work inside a box. When we start putting him in the box, just because yesterday worked A, B, C, and D means tomorrow he might make it be backwards than that. Why? Because then you'll get focused on A, B, C, and D. And he says, no, I need you to concentrate on me. You see, he is our leader. He's the one that gives us these commands. He's the one that leads us to the place. He puts it in our heart. Jonathan was following God. And that's the spirit of God is what I'm talking about. You don't find a Bible verse that says go over to McMash and, and fight these guys. He had to listen to God. He had to listen. to, And we make those decisions every day. We make them here in the church. You guys are getting married. Did you pray about it? You're going to have babies. You're planning on having kids. Did you pray about it? You're going to change jobs. Did you pray about it? Did you pray about it with an open mind rather than a mind that says this is what I want and therefore it seems right? Because he'll lead us on the paths we need to go. Amen? So hang on to that. You know, we can follow him when he tells us to pray for someone. How many of you, by a show of your hands tonight, how many of you had somebody jump in your mind or something jump in your mind to pray about other than what was on your card? And you prayed about it. That's the Spirit of God. My prayer every Sunday is, Lord, help us, not just me, help us, all of us, to follow your Spirit. Help us to let you lead us in prayer. And if he puts somebody on my mind and next Sunday or two weeks from now or whenever the testimony comes in, doesn't that make God even more real to me? I mean, you just rejoice in your spirit and say, oh, thank you, Lord, for giving me that, that I could pray about that. So when we go into battle, when we go in to fight the enemy, and it is a battle, folks, until we die, we're in, we're in a battle. 
on the battlefield for my Lord. We're in a battle. And it's not a fleshly battle. Daniel, we talked about this morning in Sunday school. This guy was doing some pretty fierce praying, wasn't he, Brother Randy? He was getting down to business with God. I wish I had that scripture, chapter 9. Yeah, let's find that. I wanted to point that out real quick. Nineteen. He's praying this whole time. He's praying. Says now, the starting verse seventeen. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant for your sake, Lord. Look with favor on your desolation, desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen, Lord. Forgive, Lord, hear and act for your sake, my God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. He's getting down serious with God. And sometimes we got to get down serious with God. In our prayers, we get down serious when we're in the word. This is our commander in chief, so to speak. And we need him. Because there's an enemy. Make no mistake about it. And there's not a soul standing or sitting in this room tonight that without Jesus Christ, the devil won't overtake you. He will trip you up in a heartbeat. As we used to say back home in a New York minute, he'll trip you up. Don't allow that to happen. Be like Jonathan. And notice his armor bearer. What did he say to him? Whatever you say, I'm with you, heart and soul. I'm with you. Now that, folks, is leadership. That right there is somebody depending on God. How many of us is going to stand with somebody and they say, well, we're going to go over here and go against these insurmountable odds. I'm with you. I remember one time. Now, I'm going to tell a story right here real quick, and then I'll be done. And it's kind of a bad one, okay? But I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. But there was a rival between ball teams that are, you know, one town against the other. And we had this water tower on the hill. And... The talk had been going on. There was going to be a rumble between the schools at the end of the ball game that night. And everybody is, you know what I'm talking about? There's going to be a fight. Going to meet on the ball field, and when the ball field is over, we're going to meet up on the hill where they can't nobody see, and we're going to go to fisticuffs. We're going to, we're going to take care of some business. And I can remember we were up on this hill that night by the water tower and we seen those boys come walking and the next thing you know here we don't look at me like that, Miss Susie. I am saved by the blood of Jesus. 
<laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. Ryan, don't you be doing what I say now. This, you know Jesus. But here we started down this hill. I mean, it reminded me of something. I think back on it a lot, and it reminded me of something of, you know, these movies you watch from back in the olden days, you know, when fighting was hand-to-hand. They didn't have long-range guns and bombs and missiles, man. They, boom, they just charged down the hill with a sword and a, a, a shield, and bam, they clashed, and then all this fighting's going on. Here we are heading down this hill, and right before we get to these fellas, and I mean, they was all there. I turned around, they was people starting to head out into the woods and all sides. Our numbers were depleting quickly. All these people was, yeah, I'm with you. We're going to go. Yeah, we're going to show them. And when we started down the hill, they just, you know, people would fall. I mean, come on, you didn't fall there. You can get back up and run. They didn't get up and run. They went over in the bushes over here. They disappeared. The point is, how many people will you find that will go with you when you're hearing from God. There will be some that won't stick by you. They might be 600 that won't, but there'll be one that will. And if you got that one, and if you got God, there will be victory. So hang on to that. Let that be encouraging to you that as long as you got God, you are in the majority. And as long as you got God, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He won't slip and fall. He won't run over into the bushes when battle comes. He's going to be right there with you. Amen? How many of you, you had him with you in some battles already? Yeah. He is always there with us. He made promises and he don't lie. So let's stand to our feet tonight. And we ain't going to clap our hands to, on this one. We're just going to, you lift your voice up right now. And that's how we're going to close out is just thanking God for who he is, his love, his mercy, his grace. And the fact that he ain't going to slip in behind the bushes in the battle. He'll give us what to do and he'll be with us and he'll see us through it. With your own voice right now, just close your eyes. And just think about the Lord. Think about the times that you've been with him and the times that it seemed like the enemy. At times it might have seemed like your own husband or wife or your own church folks or whoever. It just seemed like that you didn't have, but you know God was there. God was there and seeing you through. Maybe you was in an accident when you was a kid or close to in an accident. But God saw you through. You look back on that time, time and time again in your life, and you realize if it wasn't for the grace of God, you should have died. You should not be here today to give him praise. And he said, I'm going to give you another day. And that right now, that's when we lift our voices up. You can say hallelujah. You can sing a song. Just give him some praise right now. Father, we.